So this morning we're hitting the first part of Peter's sermon, or second part of Peter's sermon, rather. And he's describing Christ and who he is. Um, it's an awesome, awesome message. So looking forward to getting that. It's Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 32. I just took a little section of this. Um, really, really neat passage. But I want to open in prayer and let's get into it. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your gift, Lord, that you have opened the door. You are God Almighty, and you have stooped down to, to, uh, to touch our lives and to open the door for us to come up and, and become your children. It's a phenomenal, unbelievable opportunity. I pray that you would open our eyes and our hearts to that and uh, energize us to pursue you. Uh, bless the reading of your word, uh, bless the words that I speak, that your spirit would guide the hearts of these men and draw them to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 32. is uh, We're in the middle of uh, Peter's first sermon after the... Uh, Holy Spirit has come, and he's, he's gotten done speaking of Joel's prediction. 400 years prior, he had predicted what Christ would do, and then he was looking past his first coming to see also his second coming. And so Joel had seen all that, and now Peter stopped, speaks directly to the people, the men, men of Israel, because he has a crowd that has come having heard the thunderous uh, noise of the Spirit descending. God had used that as a signal to bring them in so that Peter could talk. God is orchestrating this whole thing. But let's start off. This is Peter continuing on his, his message in Acts 2, verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence that the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being, therefore, a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses. I Just looking at what Paul is speaking about, 
What was the key point he's talking about? The resurrection. There is something very important about this resurrection. And I've talked about it before, but it has never happened before and it will never happen again. That someone dies and resurrects themselves. God, by his power, indwelling Christ, he was the manifestation, not indwelling, Christ was the manifestation of God in the flesh. When he died, death could not hold him because he created death. He is God in the flesh. This is why this message is so important that every apostle in, in Acts speaks about this, this act, this resurrection. It is huge. It is never done before in all of creation, nor will it ever be done again. I want to go back in. We are looking at Christ as God, Christ as Lord. He is not just an important prophet. He is not just someone who is very spiritual and gifted with insight. He is God in the flesh. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works, wonders, and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. Peter is talking to the crowd that was there when Christ was crucified. None of us were there, so it's not that real to us. But they had been there. They watched him. They watched the miracles. They watched all that Jesus did. And then they watched him be crucified. And in the world's perspective, that is a loss. Because we look at death as the ultimate end. This is the end. We live, we die, that's it. That's how we see it because we have a limited perspective. But God sees beyond that. And so this whole thing is put together for his purposes to draw us to him, to open our eyes to something beyond this life. God attested his power as present in Christ through the miracles, through the things that were beyond the norm. Acts 2.23, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite for. Uh, excuse me, the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. God intended for all this to happen. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held. Remember what Jesus said to Martha? Because I took you guys through the book of John, right? And we looked in, in the book of John, we saw Jesus coming to raise Lazarus from the dead. And Martha came and said, Lord, if you'd only been here. And Jesus said, in, in John chapter 11, verse 25 through 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He's not saying I can bring it. He's not saying I have the possibility. I know how to get to it. He says, I am the resurrection. I am God. I'm the creator God who gives life and sustains life. I am the resurrection. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. He is looking beyond this life. We cannot see that. We look at life, death, end of story. Jesus says, no, no, no. I created you for something higher, for something eternal beyond this world. 
Live this life with your eyes on eternity. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. What's he talking about? He's not talking about living eternally on this world. He's talking about the spiritual life. You wouldn't want to live in this world for, the, for eternity. It's hell here. Bad things happen here because of sin, because we are separated from God. There is pain, and we should see that pain and say, God has something better. We shouldn't see that pain and say, oh, God has messed up. God has left the pain here so that we would say, without God, that's what hell is. It's painful. Bad things happen. With sin, without God, bad things happen. With God, all things are good. All things are perfect. And that's what he wants us to see in this world. He gives us the opportunity to live in this world and see the pain and say, boy, consider it pure joy whenever you see trials in this life because they push you to God. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. That was Jesus' words to, to Martha. In Hebrews, the author of Hebrews says, in chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. He's speaking about Jesus. He partook of the same things. He was flesh and blood. He shared in that. That through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. Jesus was showing us that in this world, he could live in the flesh and he has complete control over life and death. Over all the spiritual realm in this world, including Satan. We look at Satan, if we, if we look at Satan at all, we look at him as a powerful spiritual being, right? Satan has a lot of power. And when you look at what he did to Job, when Job was being tested by Satan, he, Satan had the power to control a whirlwind and wipe out. He had the power to tempt and draw Sabians in to, to wipe out his herd of camels. He had, had the power to do things that we don't have. And so we look at Satan as being very powerful. God doesn't look at that, him that way because God created him. He's just a creation of God Almighty. And Christ is God Almighty in the flesh. So when Christ died, he was submitting his body to death so that he could show his power over death. That is why the resurrection is such a huge thing. We have to be thinking about it. Since, therefore, the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death are subject to lifelong slavery. You see, mankind is fearful of death. I tell you what, I don't look forward to dying. But as I get to understand who God is and what he has done, I'm not so worried about death because death is just one step in the process to becoming what God has created me to be. So in this world, we can fear death, but that is not what we need to worry about. Jesus is not just a great spiritual warrior or leader. 
in conflict with Satan. He's not just on par with Satan, arm wrestling with him, right? He is the creator God in the flesh, and he created Satan for a purpose. And he, he came to earth to show us that purpose. I am the creator God, and I have complete control over Satan. John 1, 1 through 4, we went through this when I first started out. The very first chapter of John, it talks about who Christ is. In the beginning was the Word. The Word is Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. This is the description of Christ. He is not just a great prophet. He is God Almighty in the flesh, showing us that he could come through here, live in the flesh perfectly, be God, and then show his power over death. Remember how it all ends in Revelations? I've taken you guys through this, but I'm going to go through this real quick. Revelations 19, 19 through 21. We get to the end times. Satan gathers everybody together. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him, Christ, who was sitting on the horse and against his army. So what happens? He gets everybody together. He's got all his power. He's showing everything that Satan has he's bringing to bear on Christ. And what happens? Do you see a battle? Do you see any struggle? We don't see anything. In, in Revelation 19, 19, it describes the end of Satan effort. Satan's going to win, right? He's got everybody gathered around. And the next verse, all it says is, and the beast was captured, and with it, the false prophet who was in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived. He's captured. End of story. No fight. No battle because God is in control. And it's interesting. The beast was captured and the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth. In the next chapter, the following verse, it says, And then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Jesus didn't even get involved in the battle. He just sent one of his servants. He said, yeah, go take care of that Satan guy. Go grab him by the scruff of the neck, pick him up, and throw him in there. Satan has no power over Christ. No power. Christ allowed him to take him and crucify him through his, his minions, the, the Romans. He allowed that to happen to show he has ultimate power. There is no hesitation. Christ rose when he wanted to because he is God. That is who we're dealing with. Guys, it is beyond the things of this world. We see the things of this world it is beyond that. We have the po possibility of living with Christ in us so that in this world we can be salt and light and we can step into eternity and be walking with God. That is what Christ brings us, offers us. Revelation 27 through 10, Satan gets let out. He tries it again. And it doesn't, doesn't do any better. They marched up over the broad plain of the earth, surrounded the camp of the saints and beloved city. The fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur. And that's where he will be for eternity. God is done with him now. 
So he put them away. He used them for his purposes and he's done with them. God is in absolute control of this whole thing. This is the Christ who offered himself to be crucified. He is no mere man. He is almighty God in the flesh showing us that he is almighty God. He came down to live as we've lived, gone through all the things that we go through and does it perfectly so we can know there is victory. There is the possibility of living in this world and then moving on into eternity. It's no wonder, guys, that every one of the apostles, when they spoke throughout Acts, they speak about the resurrection. They say, they point to this and they continually point to it. David uh, had, was given prophetic insight, Acts 231, the last two verses that I read, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and, and of that we are all witnesses. This is Peter speaking, and every time he spoke in his next sermon, he says, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. Sound familiar? Acts 326, God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from, his, from your wickedness. He's pointing out the truth that God's servant was raised. Peter's declaration before the Sanhedrin, he does the same thing. In the apostles before the council, Peter before Cornelius, Paul and Barnabas at Antioch, Every time they speak, they speak about this resurrection. This resurrection is the keystone, the, the foundation of proving to us that Christ is more than just a man. He is God in the flesh. Paul, before the Areopagus, I went down and actually went to the Areopagus in Athens. I went to the, the Mars Hill and stood on that rock where Paul spoke. It's an amazing spot just because I know it from the Bible huge rock that looks out over Athens. And Paul spoke to the council there. They were in search of wisdom and knowledge. And Paul said, because he's speaking of Christ and speaking of God, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, he's speaking of Christ, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. You see, this resurrection points us to the fact that Christ was God. Jesus is not just a great spiritual leader. He is the creator God in the flesh. And we have opportunity to commit our lives to following him and living in this world with that purpose so that we have purpose in this life. It's not just a meaningless exercise. We have something going. Because if we live this life just for what we can gain at the end, we're done. We leave all our toys here. Our great motorcycle that we have, our house that we have, our friends, anything like that, we, we, we have to leave it here when we die. It's eternity and what we do in eternity that makes a difference. We all have that opportunity. We're going to build a hospital and I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what God does in this. But it is what we do for eternity that will matter. And we're, we're praying that God will use this facility to point children and their parents to him. That is the goal and objective of this building, that we would point people to Christ, to eternity, through ministering to their body. I thank you for your work here. It is going to bless people 
for generations. I pray that it will bless people for generations. But we, we need to be looking at eternity and living for eternity. Thank you. Thank you, dear. We have heard this so many times. The chance we have is don't say I'm going to church. Some people going to church cannot make you a Christian or cannot make you go to heaven. But knowing Jesus Christ as your personal love and savior and that pronouncement, that word, the Bible says that small word, they would pronounce it. More people will refuse it because you are not paying once you're not paying money to feed that it's not value. You can go to church and become you the you the, the, the uh, choir director, directress, and whosoever. When that pronouncement had been made, I was sitting here listening. Will only be a picture of evidence that we will not say I didn't hear it. Nobody ever talked to me because it will appear you will, uh, we will appear in uh, uh, something like this before God that nobody will say oh I was not. I never hear it. Nobody ever talked to me. Because the ground said will answer people. I mean, will answer people at that time. So, we have heard it so long. If you have not made that decision by knowing Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior, your going to church is in vain. Our going to church is in vain when we don't know Jesus Christ. So, you got to take that decision. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Because the Bible says what? Paul said, I will not be ashamed of the gospel, to preach the gospel. Because when you are ashamed, God said, I will be ashamed. Jesus said, I will be ashamed to show you to my, to my father. So, we had opportunity. You can go to, with Del, to Del and say, oh, I have not, since I've been hearing, I've been going to church, but I have not believed Jesus Christ. I have not known Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. He's somebody who listened to us. Who speak to us? We uh, we joke together. He he no longer. Uh, we don't have to fear him because he open to us. So you go to him. If you don't want to, you can come to me. The same Bible I will tell you in the book of Romans. I will tell you what to do. But it should come from your heart. We are hearing it, but let's think about it. If you have not done that, please make all your business. We can give you that. I can give you that opportunity, even if you want to go with him to have that confession, can be done. So thank you very much. I think we have listened for almost three three months plus, making up four months. One person had not. I'm not saying that people are not. We don't have believer because I know that somehow it takes time to believe at the time when. Doing our own thing because we feel that like it will be burning when we learn and when we know about God. Most of those uh, wrong things will be put to, to hot. So we say, one, Oh, I'm young. And you know that young can die and old can die. When we die, there's no joy. I mean, there's no remembering grave. You cannot repent. That is time for us to do that. So think about it. If you just want to do it, you can come to me and say, Oh, I want to uh, believe. I say, reach your deal. He will help you in the process. Don't be ashamed. Thank you, Dale. Thank you. I am glad to talk to you, ask, answer questions, take you to the Word. God has an awesome plan for us, each one of us. It's up to you. And I look forward to working with you and talking to you, see where God leads. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you. 
I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit that works in our hearts, that uh, talks and speaks through me, speaks through Moses. Lord, you are working throughout your creation to show us who you are. I pray that you would open hearts and minds, that you would encourage, that you would give strength and power, Lord, that you would work mightily in these men and in this community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Listen to...